evening the captain creature is here to talk about texas chainsaw massacre from 2022 but first i want to talk about some things that i've been watching what have you guys been watching what have all you ghouls you horror heads out there been watching it's not always about horror with me but like 95 percent of the time it is about horror and as listeners know i don't often get into TV shows. I just can't. It's not anything to do with the TV shows themselves. It has everything to do with my attention span. I just like, I found myself recently, and if if this is similar to you, uh, tell me in the comments to this post or uh, write me an email, whatever, uh, however you want to get a hold of me, hit me up on Twitter. But for some reason, I just... Like, I don't know if it's like a, uh, something to do with the pandemic or the fact that I'm getting a little bit older, but these, uh, movies even like with larger run times, I find myself, uh, having to break them up into like two or three day periods. I'm not sure like what exactly is up with that. Like it's, it's one of those things that's like weird about maybe just getting older, man. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I've been watching No Time to Die, uh, the recent James Bond film. I meant to see that in theaters. Um, like I said, I've had to split up my um, viewings uh, recently. Um, but, yeah, that movie's like two hours and 45 minutes. So I'm like two-thirds into that one. It's absolute, like it's absolutely fucking amazing so far, though. Like, I don't know how many J- James Bond fans uh, are out there, but... I know like a lot of people are fans of the series, but how many listeners are also dive into the James Bond world? Um, but yeah, TV shows. Sorry, I got on a James Bond tangent. TV shows. So I recently did get into a TV show, and that's James Gunn's Peacemaker, starring John Cena. Now, I was like, I loved Suicide Squad, but I'm like, I don't know, man, how John Cena is going to be able to carry a TV show you know, by himself. And then you meet the rest of the cast, and then you realize that John Cena has legit fucking chops, man. And that show is one of my favorite shows of the last, like, you know, and like I said, I'm not a big show guy. Like, I'm not a big TV show watcher. I think the last TV show I watched, beginning to end, was probably Breaking Bad. But that show is, like, the best show that I've seen in a long time, man. Uh, It's just, it's fucking hilarious. He has a pet eagle named Eagly. Uh, It's dark, it's humorous, and dark as in like dark humor, and dark as in it's like you get a real look into like the, the, the way that this character is built, and like his upbringing, and his fucked up father, and like all this other stuff with uh, his brother and stuff growing up, and you know, I'm not gonna provide spoilers, but it's like, you get this look at this character that's very, um, you expect him to be superficial and like this almost like uh, dark side of Captain America, like bizarro Captain America type. And you get a really 
deep understanding of this character and realize what makes him tick through this TV show. And it's really, really fascinating to see James Gunn is firing on all cylinders, on delivering some of his best work of his career uh, in this series. But um, yeah, I just had to uh, hit on a few things that I was watching recently, just just uh, knocking a few things off the checklist. You know, a lot of this stuff came out in, like, uh, in No Time to Die's uh, example, like it came out in 2021 and it was just one of those movies that, um, I never got a chance to see in the theaters and I wish I would have checked it out in theaters. Uh, the next up on the list is actually Dune, uh, the new, the new Dune, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the David Lynch Dune, so we'll see. Now, <laughs> I know a lot of people hate on that movie, but I actually love it. Um, but I haven't read the book. But this new one looks fucking spectacular, so I'm looking forward to checking that out. I think that one's another one where it's like fucking three hours or something like that. But yeah, so let's get into the main feature for tonight. And that is Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 2022. Um, So this is kind of related. This is my book wreck of the week. And my book wreck of the week is Kin by Keelan Patrick Burke. So Keelan Patrick Burke is a writer that I've uh, brought up several times on Horrifying My Friends. Um, he's He writes a lot of like Twilight zone type stories. He has a lot of short story collections um, that are absolutely fucking amazing. He has a, a novella th- uh, called Blanky that's horrifying, and another one called Sour Candy. Now, Sour Candy is a Twilight Zone-esque type story um, that just recently got adapted into a graphic novel and that's put out by John Carpenter's uh, Storm King Comics. He runs that with uh, Sandy King, his wife, and they put out a lot of good stuff, man. If you're into comics, check out the Storm King uh, library. They put out a lot of great stuff. Um, Like, I can't recommend them enough because as far as like horror comics go, it's kind of like the gold eras or, or the you know, the golden age as far as I'm concerned. Like, every company is putting out fucking gold horror stuff um in comics but yeah i can't recommend storm king comics brand enough but yeah ken uh by keelan patrick burke uh is kind of related to tonight's movie because the synopsis is on a scorching hot summer day in elkwood alabama claire lambert staggers naked wounded and half blind away from the scene of an atrocity. She is the sole survivor of a nightmare that claimed her friends. And even as she prays for rescue, the killers, a family of cannibalistic lunatics, are closing in. A soldier suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder returns from Iraq to the news that his brother is among the murdered in Elkwood. In snowbound Detroit, a waitress trapped in an abusive relationship gets an unexpected visit that will lead to bloodshed and send her back on the road to a past she has spent years trying to outrun. And Claire, the only survivor of the Elkwood Massacre, haunted by her dead friends, dreams of vengeance, a dream which will be realized as grief and rage turn good people into cold-blooded murderers. And force alliances among strangers. It's time to return to Elkwood. In the spirit of such iconic horror classics as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Deliverance. 
Ken begins at the end and studies the possible aftermath for the survivors of such traumas upon the return to the real world. The guilt, the grief, the thirst for vengeance, and sets them on an unthinkable journey back into the heart of darkness. So yeah, like I said, kind of related. Um, I felt like this movie could have went a little bit more uh, in the direction of that. And that's one of the negatives of this movie. Uh, but I will get there once we start breaking this thing down. So this, right off the bat, this won't be a uh, super long episode. Because I kind of get want to give this movie time to kind of just dwell out there. And kind of just, you know, see it maybe a couple more times. And I feel like uh, more often... Like, I'm getting a lot better at that. Like, um, I'm always one of those guys that, like, sees a movie one time and um, I'll have, like, a, a reaction to it. But I don't really take in a lot on that first um, first viewing. And I know uh, me and my brother, like, talk about that quite a bit. Uh, Fatal Follower Presents himself. Um we always talk about like going to see a movie and we almost get like distracted and we're just like looking at the screen, like a little child that wandered into the theater to quote big Lebowski. But it is true though. Like I just, I look at the movie and I think I get a lot of the visual style and like a lot of the musical cues and a lot of the kills and stuff like that. But I don't really think about the story so much. So there won't be a big kind of analysis. Not that, you know, I know the listeners out there are like, what can you really anal- you know, analyze about this fucking movie? But, you know, I think there's a, I think there's some stuff there. But <laughs> anyway, so just some uh, info uh, on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I was excited for this release. Um, this one was kind of circled. As uh, listeners know, my or if you even if you don't know, I'm here to tell you that Texas Chainsaw Massacre is my favorite movie of all time. The, uh, the 1974 classic, of course. Um, that movie, I think, is one of the gnarliest, one of the grittiest, one of the movies that really is able to invoke this feeling in cinema. And I think it's it kind of sets alone. Like, you can mention some other movies that are kind of uh, able to do this as well, being like The Thing, maybe The Shining, you know. The Exorcist, a lot of these classic films, but it's like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre really brings you into that era, has a lot to say about that time period, and it's kind of the perfect like lightning in a bottle. You get you know uh, Burns and you know Toby Hooper and Gunnar Hansen, all those people together, in any different infinite timelines, and they probably are not going to put out the same movie that came out of that uh, can, man. Because it's just one of those perfect lightning-in-the-bottle kind of things. Um, and I think that in and of itself is a curse to this franchise. And what I mean by that is that the first film in this franchise is almost so perfect and so so good. Such a masterclass of cinema that... Now, don't get me wrong. Halloween is great. Nightmare on Elm Street is great. Friday the 13th is great. But I don't think any of them at least in my opinion, touch the, the, touch the, you know, the, the amount of masterclass that goes into the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I just think that it's, it's one of the most notable, one of the most well-known, one of the most infamous films of the seventies and of all time. And I think that kind of 
is a curse on this franchise. You look at Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, very divided. Part 3 has gotten a lot of love in the most recent years, but still pretty divided. Uh, The Next Generation, uh, (laughs) pretty panned, actually, with Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger. Um, You know, the the remake, the 2003 remake, uh, pretty divided. I mean... That's a little bit more positive on the positive side, but you know, I see a lot of people saying that it's better than the original, and I'm like, I don't get that at all. Like, <laughs> I don't get that at all. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre: The Beginning, I thought was actually better than the remake. Uh, still, though, like the rest of the series, 2013, Leatherface, this movie, as we see, as we, <laughs> as we see on Facebook and tw- horror Twitter. Very, very divided. That's one of the things that's coming up in the uh, in the horror genre. I guess it's always kind of been this way, but I think I've just noticed it more so in the last like week or two. Maybe with twenty Halloween twenty eighteen. I I shouldn't say week or two. Maybe in the last couple years with Halloween twenty eighteen and Halloween Kills and the Candyman twenty twenty one. Um, it just seems like everything is so fucking divided, man. It's like 50-50 every one of these horror movies. It's either shit or it's amazing. Like, you know, <laughs> there's not a lot of people that are like, I thought it was okay. You know, it's like, uh, it's shit, man. Or it's, oh my God, this is one of the best sequels of the series. Um, but yeah, I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Like, you know, the the dividedness of, of the horror genre you know, horror fandom. It's almost like every one of these movies that's released, you know, we last saw this with Halloween kills. People fucking hated Halloween kills or they loved it. But yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022 tonight's film. And like I said, this ain't going to be a terribly long episode. I'm just giving my, my kind of basic thoughts on it. I'll go into a little bit of spoilers and stuff. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022 directed by David blue Garcia. Um, Cast, Sarah Yarkin as Melody, uh, Elise Fisher as Leela, uh, Olwen Foyer as Sally Hardesty, sorry if I butcher that name, uh, Mark Burnham as Leatherface, uh, of course, you know, uh, taking up the chainsaw, taking up the saw from the original uh, Gunnar Hansen. In a lot of ways, this is kind of like a direct sequel to part one. Um and uh, John John I think is how you say his name, reprises his role as the film's narrator. I know they announced this like a couple months ago, and it was like a big deal. They must have had him do his parts like you know a little bit after. Um, big deal, man. Uh, he provided the voice, like of course, in the opening of the original film and its uh, remake in 2003. So synopsis. After nearly 50 years of hiding, Leatherface returns to terrorize a group of idealistic young friends who accidentally disrupt his carefully shielded world in a remote Texas town. So that's right. We have Leatherface versus Gen Z. (laughs) And that's essentially what we got, man. So (laughs) the plot of this movie... And I'm not even going to, I mean, I'm not going to mince words about this, man. The plot of this movie, good things that I need in a text chainsaw massacre are brutal killings. Like, uh, I saw one other review. I think it's a uh, uh, dumb, dumb, uh, on his YouTube channel. He's an, he's got an awesome channel. So go check him out. But he was like, and he's right though. He said like the one thing that he needs in a text chainsaw massacre is like the saw killings. 
and Leatherface, I think he said, or like Texas. And it's that's kind of how I feel, man. Like I'm like I, I get the negative, uh, like the negative, a lot of the negative stuff about this movie, but. I feel like, I'm like, man, I think people are being a little bit too hard on it. But I will say, back to my original point, the plot of this movie, just to focus on the plot for a minute, the plot and the characters of this movie are some of the fucking dumbest, like, ideas, choices, characters, some of the dumbest shit I've ever seen in a horror movie. <laughs> and I've seen a lot of horror movies, but a lot of the decisions, a lot of the characters are so fucking dumb in this movie, man. Uh, like, they show up to this little bitty abandoned town. It almost reminded me of that town from House of Wax, the remake with Paris Hilton and stuff. But they show up and they're kind of uh, wanting to open up this restaurant or something. You barely meet these characters. And I guess that's a negative with these with this movie is that the fucking characters are dumb. The story's dumb. You know, you don't really even get to know these characters before the dude's getting his fucking jaw ripped open. And then, like, before you know it, it's like all these characters in this movie are getting killed left and right. You know, they show up to this place and I guess they're supposed to be buying this house and I guess it's it's supposed to be Leatherface's mom that kind of um uh you know offers them some tea you know some nice southern tea and they go in and they start drinking tea and then they tell her basically like the uh the dude is like really really kind of an asshole about it and he's like you don't have the title because you no longer own this house bub and then the cops show up and like drag her out. Her son comes downstairs, which is the faint, the infamous Leatherface. So the son comes downstairs, kind of picks up his mom, takes him into the back of the cop car. The cops are like acting really fucked up too, and uh, you know they're they're making like a commentary on like uh, you know the cops being dickheads and you know like um, kind of overusing their force, you know, overusing their power, stuff like that. The cops are kind of dickheads. Um, they introduce you to these cops early in the film. He pulls over the kids and stuff. But they give you little glimpses of the characters' backgrounds. Um, I'll get into that a little bit later. But So we got Leatherface, his mom, the cops, in the back of this cop, you know, the paddy wagon. Um or, you know, whatever the cops vans called uh, these days, <laughs> but you got him in the back of the car. And, uh, apparently this, the, for some reason, the, the blonde, one of the, one of the guy's girlfriends is like, I'm going to go with him," or like they send her with them. And I was watching this with, uh, my roommate, Katie Kerr and my wife Rose. And it's like, we were like, why the fuck does she need to go with them? Why does she need to ride with them? It just didn't make any sense. And the mom dies in the back. Of course, these kids are like, Oh my God, she died, man. I don't, I don't know why they like cared. I'm like, I'm not trying to be an insensitive dick, but I'm like, if I just show up and then an old woman dies, like, I'm not going to like, you know, it's like, who's popping the beer? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to fucking, I'm not going to be like fucking all down about it. But these people are riding in the back of this van. The mom dies. Leatherface goes fucking ape shit. Stabs this cop with his bones in his fucking arms. Like, keeps on stabbing him. This part is fucking killer. 
And I'm like, at this point, I'm like, this movie is so fucking dumb, but I don't care. And Leatherface is stabbing this dude with his own fucking arm bone. The the Van Rex, uh, are the blonde character in front, wakes up and Leatherface is cutting off his mom's fucking face and is wearing it. And I'm like, I told Rose, I was like, at that moment, I was like, okay, this is an 8 out of 10. Like, immediately. <laughs> And I was dead serious. Like, I turned to her and I was like, this is an 8 out of 10. Uh, but yeah, he's wearing his mom's face. And it's like they're leaning into that Ed Gein, like, obsession with the mom kind of thing. And I'm like, dude, this is fucking... Like, don't get me wrong. It's fucking stupid. But it's cool, dude. <laughs> I know I know, I sound like a fucking tool bag. But it's like, don't get me wrong, dude. But it's awesome. Uh, and... Then I believe, okay, so I've only seen this movie one time, so don't fucking crucify me if this is not true. But you go, you see the iconic moment from the trailer of Leatherface kind of playing peekaboo in the, you know, in the, I, I don't know, was that corn or I'm not sure what that was, like sunflowers or whatever. But um, he comes out, kills the blonde, and then you're set, you're, you're kind of coming back, uh, Sally Hardesty's character. So you're introduced to Sally Hardesty, you know, she makes her return in the series and she's given kind of the Laurie Strode kind of arc from Halloween 2018. Um, and I'm going to kind of go through this, like kind of how it happens, you know, the basic kind of, kind of uh, plot points of how this happens. So you're introduced to Sally Hardesty. She's like, uh, She's just like Sarah Connor, kind of badass, kind of archetype of a character, and I don't, I, I dug the way they did it in this one, and I'll uh, tell you that here in a minute. But it's like, I'm like, do we have to do this with like every one of these returning characters now? I don't, I don't know. It just kind of bugged me. I don't know. I liked how they actually dealt with it, but you meet her for a glimpse, and then you're back to the party in the middle of town. Now you have these two sisters kind of investigating the house. Um, Leatherface shows up, you know, all brutality fucking ensues. The kills in this movie, I will say, uh, and that's basically the plot. Like, I mean, let's, let's get real. That's basically the fucking plot. They show up, they, you know, Sally Hardesty shows up. Leatherface goes back to town. He starts picking off all these kids for being in the town. And then the movie you know, they have their battle or whatever, and the movie ends. And that's basically the plot. So, in between, you do get some pretty killer kills, man. Not to, you know, overuse the word kill. Kill, 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 kill. You do get some pretty damn good kills, though. And I'm like, that's that's kind of like what I mean when I'm like, man, I think people are being a little too hard on it. Because, is this movie dumb? Yes. I've said this, like, twice already. Is this movie done? Yes. But we do get, like, brutal killings, and it's only fucking, like, 80 minutes. You know, it's a guy with a chainsaw running around for 80 minutes. Uh, some notable scenes to me, of course, and we saw this in the trailer. And this is kind of like a rambling review, and I'm sorry about that. Like, if you're driving in your car and you're listening to this and you're kind of, like, running off the road and shit, I'm sorry about that, bub. But... This is kind of like a rambler for me because I just watched it like last night and uh, I'm just kind of trying to piece up this movie together in my mind. But Leatherface shows up 
these uh they've discovered that one of the guys you know literally gets his jaw fucking like ripped off in the house and he stumbles back to the van now once he gets back to the van leatherface is walking up you know it seems pretty obvious what's gonna happen the woman says nothing as she uh the woman that sees the guy with his jaw ripped off really doesn't react that fucking crazy. Like, me and my roommate and my wife are just sitting there like, why is she not, like, telling the bus driver to fucking drive away? <laughs> but Leatherface, this is where Leatherface meets Gen Z. And uh, this is one of the best parts of the movie for me. <laughs> this is another one of those moments when I was like, okay, this movie's a fucking 8 out of 10. Like, this movie's amazing. He gets on the bus. One of the guys started filming him, and he's like, <laughs> one of the guys is like, it's a totally cheesy line, but it made me laugh. One of the guys is like, I'm canceling you, bro. And then Leatherface like just starts this massacre. And it's really uh it's really beautifully like lit in a in this blue aura kind of thing. It's kinda of like a party, like kind of like glow stick kind of bus. And Leatherface just starts brutally massacring like everyone on this fucking bus. Uh, <laughs> and it was like that scene alone made this movie worth it, man you meet this mechanic along the way and he's kind of like a red herring. Like you're like, are they going to do like the family thing with, uh, you know, like they did in the, well, like they've done in all of them, uh, excuse me, but are, is he going to be part of the family or not? He, he kind of like wants to save the day. So like I said, that one of the girls and one of the guys is like looking through the house for the will for not the will, but the title of the house and stuff. And the way Leatherface kills him, dude, I was like, holy shit. Because I thought they were setting him up to be, like, the hero of the movie or whatever. But Leatherface, like, the guy, like, walks in with his M9 or, you know, whatever, like, uh, machine gun or whatever. And um, the girl, one of the girls is laying under the bed, one of the sisters. And uh, (laughs) she kind of, Leatherface hides behind the door. And, uh, it, the, the reason why I'm laughing is because a lot of these parts in this movie are like comically gory, man. And I just like, it was kind of like a throwback for me, like back to like part two, man. Like there was no chop top, don't get me wrong, but it was like very much in line with that kind of humor. But <laughs> Leatherface literally kicks this dude's knee like in and it fucking snaps. And then he, uh. I can't remember what he does to him, but he gets him on the ground and just beats his head until it's like flat. (laughs) It was just like a lot of the kills in this movie are so fucking overdone and like gory that I really appreciated it, man. Like, I don't know. Like, (laughs) again, people are going to be like, dude, this dude has a terrible taste in movies, but I really appreciate it. Now, I'm not going to just go through and tell you guys all the kills and stuff, but uh, before I get to the ending... I do want to point out a couple of notables, although I don't think the script was that strong. Like, the, like I said, the story was pretty shitty, you know, in my opinion. I thought the direction was actually pretty sharp. Um, let me look at the director's name so I don't... Uh, directed by David Blue Garcia. I actually felt like he did a pretty damn good job, and this was uh, produced by Fetty Alvarez as well. Um, I actually thought he did a pretty damn good job capturing, like, the, the Texas feel and stuff, and... 
I don't think this is even shot in Texas. I thought it was, I think it's shot in like Bulgaria or whatever, but it had that kind of feel like you see the, at one point you see like a Confederate flag, like waving and like an old, old ancient Confederate flag and stuff. And this old kind of deserted ghost towns. My, my dad's from Texas and he always talked about, and I don't know if this is true because he talks a lot of shit, but he always talked about like how there are like deserted ghost towns and stuff in Texas, in parts of Texas. And uh, I felt like that they, uh, Garcia really did a good job of like setting all that up and giving this kind of like a feel of Texas. This reminded me, like I said, I, I mentioned part two earlier, but this reminded me of like um, uh, sitting squarely between like part two and part three as far as feel. Like I said, the original, throw that out the fucking window because that movie's a masterpiece. We can't keep comparing these movies to originals like we can't like that's doing a disservice to like any movie they're never going to make a movie as good as the original anymore in the series like they're just not there's not so i i think this movie as far as tone wise and stuff and like humor and like the kills and stuff really remind me of like and i'll even go from part two to next generation like part two to part four i think like as far as the kills and stuff go um but yeah, man, like the ending, I think solidified that I really do like this movie. <laughs> so you have this final battle. Uh, Sally Hardesty shows up, you know, makes zero sense, is trying to be Sarah Connor and gets a chainsaw through her torso and then gets thrown like 40 feet. And I <laughs> and I appreciated that, like I mentioned before, because I'm like, don't try to sell me that this lady has been, you know, I don't give a fuck what she's been doing for 50 years, but it's it was 50 years ago, and she's gonna go against a killer, and he's not gonna scrape the floor with her. Like he basically, like she ends up kind of saving the day. Don't get me wrong. But I, I I really appreciated the fact that she wasn't fucking John Rambo and that she couldn't stand up to Leatherface. Like, Leatherface, literally, when they see each other, she's like, remember me? And Leatherface kind of looks at her like, what? Like, <laughs> like he's kind of just like, who? Like, who are you again? And I really, really dug that because I'm like, this guy's a psychopath. He's a killer. Like... He, they've shown you that he's needed like helpers and stuff within the family, and it's like you're not important to him. Like you're you're not anything to him. He's just a psycho. Like he he treats people as cattle, as cattle, and it's like I really really dug that, and I think the guy that uh, played Leatherface, let me see his name real quick, did a uh, Mark Burnham did a really good job of capturing. He didn't really go for the Gunner Hansen, but he brought his a new like um like his own kind of physicality to the role. Uh Leatherface is a big imposing motherfucker in this movie. But this ending, Sally Hart who shows up, uh, she says something like the girl's gotta stay in the car because he wants them and uh <laughs> and then she gets chainsawed and thrown like forty feet. And so you have the girls, the two sisters against Leatherface, and this um this battle pretty cool I, I gotta admit though I was kind of checking out because I'm like they're gonna kill Leatherface like none of this shit is gonna like you know I'm gonna get like a like a kind of wrapped up kind of too cozy of an ending 
And so the movie's like nearing an end. And uh, the movie's absolutely nearing an end. You got these two characters uh, g- getting in the car. You know, Leatherface gets hit in the face with his chainsaw from these two girls. And um, the two characters are getting in a car. They're driving away. It's very reminiscent of the uh, the 1974 original ending where Sally Hardesty is kind of in the back of the car. And as they're driving away, Leatherface breaks open the passenger window, uh, jerks fucking Melody, Mel, out of the car, cuts off her head, <laughs> and does his chainsaw dance. All the while, while El- while uh, Lily, Lilla, is out of the sunroof and fucking screaming. He cuts her head off. He cuts Mel's head off. Does his chainsaw dance and holds up his her head, Mel's head. <laughs> and I was like, this movie is balls of the wall, like absurdist comedy, dark humor from like part two to part four. And I fucking loved it, dude. I'm like, I love that they actually went there. Whereas like other people probably were like this movie is a piece of shit and they fucking turned off their tv i was like yes <laughs> and i fucking like screamed you can ask my roommate and my wife. i fucking screamed at that part and was like absolutely yes i'm so glad they went there man but i don't know man i'm coming off as like this is the best movie of all time and it's really like i heard the negative stuff about it and i went in with zero like absolutely zero expectations. And I ended up having a really good time with it. Is it the best movie of the series? Absolutely not. Is it the second best? Absolutely not. But I think it's a, it's a lot better than 2013. Uh, it's a lot better than, you know, next generation. It's a lot in my opinion. This is all my opinion. It's a lot better than Leatherface 2017 Leatherface, which I think is probably the worst in the series. Like, it's a solid sequel to those part two and part three. You know, uh, you know, like I said, you can't really tie this to the original, man. Like, the original is just on a different level. But I had a really, really good time with this movie, man. Like, I had a really fun time. It was a blast. Um, this is the movie that you put on, and if you got shit going on in your life, in your daily life... Um, this is the movie that you put on and you're like, man, I am getting thrown back to the late eighties, early nineties. And this is just a movie that don't give a fuck. And it's so fun. It's a ridiculously fun slasher movie. Super dumb, super fun. All fucking Texas chainsaw, man. And I dug it. I dug it. I might get some heat from this, but I dug it. I would give this movie, in my opinion, a three out of five. Three chainsaws out of five chainsaws for Captain Creature. Very fun, very bloody. Um, so this concludes the quick horrifying my friends, the quick rambling horrifying my friends episode on Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022. As always, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at horrifying my friends and on Twitter at Capt Creature. Hit me a line. Uh, actually I fucked that up and on Twitter at horrifying MF 
hit me a line at Capped Creature on Twitter and uh, Travis Ibarra on Facebook, Instagram. Shoot me an email. Whatever. I want to hear what you guys think about this movie. I, I heard a lot of people dragging this movie. I heard a lot of people saying that they loved it. Where does this rank in the series for you? Uh, tell me in the comments. Hit me a line on one of my socials. Um, but anyway, check this movie out. It's on Netflix. Uh, if I haven't mentioned that before, it's on Netflix. Check it out. Um, have a horror-filled week, all you ladies and ghouls. Creature out. Fine, my friends.